Well, I'm going to start this morning. We're going to start a series leading up to Christmas. And I know what I have to try to kind of declutter a little bit. Just at the mention of the word Christmas, there are things that like explosions that go off in people's minds. Like there are people in this room right now that their house has been decorated for like three weeks. You don't even wait for Thanksgiving. You're like, hey, Chris, what? Okay, you're already got stuff out and it's all decorated. You walk in and you would think you walked into a winter war in the land and that's like in, you know, October. Forget November. Who's going to wait for that? Um, and so I know that instantly there's songs that go off in your brain. You're like everything. You want to start singing Christmas stuff already. There's sights. You know, you look around. You know, I remember when my kids were little, we'd drive around. they get excited at a street light. Like, wow, look at, you know, I know that, y'all, there are people that, that they like to see those. And then there's also the smells that come. You know, the different types of candles, everything. You know, the, the smell of a fra- fresh cut Fraser fir Christmas tree that you just, you can smell it just at the mention of it. And so there are things that take place. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in so much around us that we forget to get caught up in the one in us. And so I want to look at and unpack that. And so I've titled this series, Down to Earth. <laughs> down to Earth. We're we getting down to earth a little bit because we've got to keep our, our heart and, our, and our, our spirit definitely locked into heaven. But we also got to get it locked in right here. What we're doing, what God's doing in and through us. In the Gospels, there's two Gospels mainly that share the Christmas story. But there's one that does an immediate abbreviated version of it like in one verse. And uh, that's the one we're going to look at. We're going to open up with that one. In John 1.14, a lot of people don't think this is the Christmas story. But it's the Christmas story in one verse. In John 1.14, it says this. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That is the Christmas story in a nutshell right there. Boom. John didn't need feel like he needed to go in that because Matthew and Luke took care of that. And uh, when we look at the Christmas story and we look at all that took place, there's one young lady that I want to look at this morning. I want to unpack for a minute. And this is this young girl that we call Mary. Mary is a a very interesting, when you look at Mary, you've got to be careful because in Christendom, in, uh, in the church, there are extremes both ways. Like I grew up in a church where where it was almost like you worship her. Like it is, we put her and make statues and you begin to, you actually say prayers to her and, and somehow she's praying for you. And and that can be a, a thing where people get that out of context that I believe personally that if Mary came back today, she's like, y- y'all think that's what I was I was about. I believe that her life would say, no, it's, it, her life was all about Jesus. It was all pointing towards the one that came to her, not about her. And so, uh, and then the other part is there are people that don't even want to give her any credit. Like, you got to acknowledge that there was something about this young girl that God said, Hmm, Mary, I'm going to, you're going to be the one that is able to, to bring in the greatest news of all, to, to bring to earth 
the game changer, the buzzer beater, the one that changed the whole thing. You're going to be the one I'm going to bring, uh, bring the Son of God into the flesh, what we read in John 1.14. But we've got it before we get there. We've got to real quickly look at the beginning, where it first started. When Adam and Eve fell, there was a, a major cataclysm that took place where there was a separation. There was a divide that had never been there before. Adam and Eve walked in perfect relationship with God. There was no distance. There was no fear. It was beautiful. God, they would walk in and talk with God in the cool of the day. And all of a sudden, this serpent came and began to talk to him, which is a whole sermon itself. Don't talk to snakes. Um, <laughs> whether they're in flesh form or whatever, but just stay away from them. Um, but she began to, to listen, and as a result... The enemy tricked her and, and got her to believe what he said instead of what God said. Sound familiar? Anybody in here where you think and, and the, this, you start thinking things and you start thinking this is the way it ought to be and, and he begins to come. We have a real adversary, the devil. And in, uh, we know how it happened that he got her to begin to focus on something she wasn't supposed to, on good and evil instead of life, which was God. And uh, so he, he got her focused on the wrong tree, like many of us today. We focus on good and evil instead of the life that, that God has for us. And so as a result, she ate, and then she took to her husband, he ate, and then that whole scenario, it was the fall. It broke, it separated them. Their eyes were open, and they recognized they were no longer innocent. Their innocence had been stolen, and all of a sudden, they began to see things in ways they hadn't, and as a result... It was something God never intended. He he intended, and still today, he's all about life. He's all about his life being released in us so we can be released through us. And so, we see this this friction that takes place. In Genesis chapter 3, God is speaking to the snake. God talks to the snake, but when he talks to him, it's a little bit different. And so when he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, because you deceived those who are created in my image, in my likeness, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Aren't you glad that you don't see snakes walking around. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. God did that for you and me. <laughs> I mean, it's rough enough just watching them slither. Come on, let's be honest. You get close to one. You're like, how do they get there that quick? How do they go? How do they show up in the places they show up? Not going to go there. Many, I mentioned the word snake. Same thing as Chris. Uh oh. <laughs> but this is what happened. So as a result, this is the first messianic prophecy in scripture. Right now is where we sit in Genesis 3 and verse 15. It says, I will put enmity. I'm going to put, I'm going to separate. There's going to be a, a struggle that goes on between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We see right here, right off the bat, right after the enemy had tricked all of humankind, caused us to go in a downward spiral, that God said, hey... I'm still for them, and I want to let you know, you you may have done this, but I'm going to redeem this. And he began to, right there at the very beginning, say, yeah, you, you may have won that little battle, but I win the war. And this is where we see where Mary comes into the picture. This is the very one where they are going to, where we see Jesus showing up and God doing what he loves to do in in in, in her life and in our lives as well. 
The first thing when we think about Mary, there are many things, by the way, of all the characters in the New Testament, probably only apart from, say, Jesus, Paul, John, James, just very few. She's one of the most well-known, but yet the least known. In that, that we know, first of all, we know who her, who her husband was. We know who her relatives were. We knew, we know who her cousin was. We knew where she was born. We knew where she was from. But in scripture, we only really see her show up three different times. We see her right here at the beginning. We see her when Jesus turns 12. And then we see her at the foot of his cross. So other than that, there's not a lot that we can put in there. But we can learn some things about her life. The number one thing that I think that we see right off the bat when we look at the the, the, the extended version of the Christmas story is we see the first thing she did is she was waiting. But she what she was waiting for was not what you and I think. And it's the same thing with us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Now, think about this. She was waiting, but what she was waiting for, all the ladies in the house, <laughs> she was waiting to be married. Now, I don't even perceive <laughs> to know what that's like, okay? I've done a number of weddings, like uh, I've done many weddings, and I've watched on the expression of these girls' faces, like, they, they think, that's all they think. It's like their, their world is like, I mean, I could imagine Mary sitting here. She was not, she was sitting there going, Joseph, Joseph, Joe, Joe, Joseph. She, he's, he's so handsome. You know, she's thinking all of this, this life, she's thinking of her life with Joseph. Now, the funny thing, when, when you think about you girls and, and you think about it, the funny thing is when you go to weddings, like when girls go to weddings, like when they're this high, like when they first get to be the flower girl and they're just going, hey. or not, or they just run up there crying. Anyway, there's, they're thinking right there what their wedding's going to be like. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, that looks, oh. guys, when we show up at weddings, let's be honest. The only thing we're looking for is, what they having for food? What, what they having to eat after this thing? We're, we're thinking, hey, now granted, it's not quite that simple, but it is. Um, but we're thinking, hey, I want to, I want to celebrate too. And, and we're so thankful. What do we eat? No, we're so thankful for you. Um, and so when we look at this, Mary's whole focus is on Joseph and she's waiting and she's preparing. And here she is. She kept herself chaste. She remained pure. And by the way, in that culture, you have to be careful because it's not like today. Many times we try to take our 2019 A.D. brain instead of being a, a, a 33 B.C. brain back then. The culture and what it was like and what, how they operated back then. Mary was probably only 14 or 15 years old. And God is about to, to share with her. The greatest news of all human history, something that had been prophesied for thousands of years. And God decides, who am I going to, I'm going to go to this 14 year old, this 15 year old girl betrothed to be married to Joseph. And I'm going to show up to her 
And which made Mary, when first, you know, when he shows up, she begins to wonder. That's the second thing that she did. She began wondering. And in Luke, we're going to follow this narrative through Luke. In Luke 1, 28 through 33, it says, The angel went to her and said, Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if I had something very important to say, and I'm going to ask you, would you go to a 14 or 15 year old girl? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell you today's standard. It might get out. <laughs> There's something that, so, something might be found out because they're going to tell their friend and their friend and they're, and they're only going to tell a few people. And so, um, he said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at these words. She's like, uh-oh, his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's like, hold it, an angel. First of all, it tells me this. Mary really did know the Lord. Because she wasn't, it doesn't say she was panicked, which in scripture, every time you see where natural man came in contact with supernatural beings, it was always, <laughs> Like, oh. like you look all through the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, when John in the rep when he when he when he saw the angel in the Revelation, like he fell as though he was there. It's like, oh, you know, it was it was a tremendous thing when heaven came in contact with earth, and this is what happened here. When Mary, she's wondering, and then he goes on and says, "But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God.'" You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he goes on to say, And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, us sitting here today, it doesn't seem that big of a deal, but to a 14 or 15 year old girl, you're going, what? You're, you're going to, you're going to do what? You're going to, you're going to, I'm going to be, I'm going <laughs> to conceive and I'm going to be the mother of the most high, the son that comes in. We're, we're, this is going to happen. And so it, it created within her, first of all, she's waiting. It created the wonder, but then it caused her to, to come and be a wanting. She began to want. Like, hold it. This stirred something in her to want what God wants. It's the same thing with us. He always, first of all, when we're in a place of waiting, he'll come and meet us when we take time away from all the busy hustle and bustle and take a moment to wait. And then he'll cause us to wonder when he begins to speak what he's trying to do and accomplish in our life. And then third, we'll begin to want that the same way Mary did, which she mentions in Luke 1, 34 through 35. Moving on, it says... How will this be? How can this happen? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. She understood very clearly her understanding of, of how life operates. She goes, this can't be. There's no way that I can be. In, I, I can't be with child. I've, I know how this operates and this ain't it. And so he ends up affirming her. She's wanting. And then that's when he says, the angel answered. I'm glad you, I'm glad you want to know that. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, when we look at this, this is this is this right here is what the world finds so hard to grasp. This one scripture right here is the battle of where we battle of how 
How is that going to happen? The same way with Mary. How can this happen? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. And I always, I always like to answer because when I'm out talking, I love to, to share with people about the good news of Jesus. And, and they ask all kind of questions. And one of them is, well, hey, how did that happen? I was like, well, I don't know. I guess a God that can create men out of dirt. <laughs> you know, there's just dirt. <laughs> I think he can go ahead and he, he, he can cause that to happen for sure. He can, he can place the holiness and can make that happen conceive. If he can make, he made the whole thing anyway. And so for us, we've got to be completely the same way Mary is like, wow, that's how this can happen. And so what happens is through the waiting, through the wandering, through, um, through the, the wanting, then comes the willing. And this is what she says. The next verse, it says, Luke 138. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So Mary went through this whole process and then says, hey, look, this young girl, I I can't even imagine what in her mind, because let's be honest, if you've ever had to deal with somebody, and we have in our midst right here, we have a wonderful um, our director of Skylark who helps young girls in this exact situation. I had this happen in my own family. When you have a young girl tell you, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. That is a, today it's like, <clears throat> I can imagine Mary like, <clears throat> but I can't go tell anybody. She had to rely completely on God to take care of that. And so when we look at this coming down to earth and, and, and God the way he did it, There's three things I want us to learn real quickly as we look at this. Number one for us, the same way with Mary, we have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to be prepared in all circumstances, especially the church today. We want to prepare ourselves to be used by God. We know that Jesus has already showed up. And so we got to carry this. He's coming back, y'all. And we want to be prepared and help people prepare for that day the same way Mary was for the day we celebrate in just a few weeks. In Luke, I mean, in First uh, Peter one thirteen, Peter said this. He said, "Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His second coming. He's already showed up once, so He's going to come back. And so, Peter says, "Hey, we've got to keep our minds. We got to keep our heart. We got to keep them sharp." Always knowing that we're going to experience that. Ephesians 2 and 10 says this. Paul writing the church at Ephesus. He says, for we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in other words, just the same way. Before Mary ever showed up on this planet. God already knew that she was going to be the one. And by the way, he had to pick a young girl. Who was already betrothed to another man. Because when that happens... He couldn't just have her sitting out here going, oh, I'm I'm having what we would consider in today's terms unwanted pregnancy. It was a most wanted pregnancy. That, God, I want to be used by you, whatever you say. And so she had to, because of that culture, she could definitely not show up without a husband. And so we know how that worked out with Joseph. Well, that's another day, another topic. But for our purposes today, so the first thing we do have to prepare. It's God's handiwork. Before you ever showed up here. God was already connected. He was already purpose in his heart to connect with you. The second thing we have to do is ponder. When God shows up and God begins to speak to us, speak to us, we need to ponder. In Luke 2.19, Mary says this. After this things had taken place, it said, But Mary treasured 
all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know the problem that many of us, and myself included, we don't take time to really spend saying, Lord, what are you saying and what are you wanting to do in and through my life? Many times we buzz from one thing to the next thing, especially during this season. We just go, oh, who do I got to buy for? What do I need to make? What party are we going to be? Who are we going to get? What gift? We, we, we get our minds so focused instead of, Lord, what are you wanting to do? Lord, I ponder, what are you wanting to do in and through me? And that's what, that's what Paul did. That's what, that what made, that's what made Paul so effective on this planet in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, Paul says this, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Now here, a Pharisee recognizes, hey, even when I was doing that, I was already set apart then. It wasn't after. He had already purposed for Paul to do that. Just like you and I. God has plans for you. I don't care where you're at in your journey with the Lord. God has plans and purposes for you to make a difference in this world. And you may not know him yet, but I'm going to challenge you. Keep taking steps. Don't stop taking steps. God begins to open and reveal more and more of himself if we'll stay faithful. Just the same way with Paul. Look what it says. He called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. You know what he did? He actually went to the desert for three years. And he said, Lord, he began to be, he, he began to uh, relearn all that he had learned. He began to, uh, to understand. He knew the whole Old Testament. He'd studied it, but it's like, how does this apply today? And God began to show him what we need to do when God speaks to us. We need to take time out of our day and take time to say, Lord, what are you saying to me? How, Lord, what is it you called me to do and how is it you want me to accomplish that? The third and final thing is this. So we, we prepare, we ponder, and then we purpose. We've got a purpose in our hearts now to say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever it takes to accomplish your will on this planet. I'm not going to leave out of here without accomplishing. My, my biggest fear, it's never, I, I, my biggest fear is never showing up in front of the presence of the Lord. I look forward to that day. I look forward to the day where I get to see him face to face. I'm going, whoo, you are really that good. You are that incredible. I only had a, you know, my little small minute brain, my little minute brain could only come up with a, this, but you are so much more. And so it's never a fear of going, oh God, it's going to be, Lord, you're so good. My only fear is not being able to accomplish all that he wants me to do while I'm here. And that's what, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2 says this, Paul writing to the church at Corinth. So, so, uh, so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom uh, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. Look what Paul said, for I resolved to know nothing. The only thing I wanted to know was one thing while I was with, excuse me, while I was with you, except I just wanted to know nothing except for what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I just wanted to, to be acquainted and to know what it really was. To, to know Him, not know about Him. In the church today, there are many people that know about Him, but God's calling you deeper. He's wanting you to take steps going, hey, it's good to know about Him, but He wants you to know Him personally. Where you get to experience that grace. You get to experience that love. You get to experience Him in such a real way that you can't help but get Him out. It's like, 
He just keeps calling you. When you wake up in the morning, all you can, you can't wait to spend time with him and say, wow, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. Lord, thank you for drawing me by your love, by your grace, by your truth. That's what Peter experienced in 1 Peter 1, 2 and 3. It says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. Look, you're not an accident. You're not. A, you, God knew you before you ever showed up on this planet. And he made you holy. Why? His spirit did that. Not you coming to church. Not you doing good religious activity. His Holy Spirit comes in and changes our spirit. And he makes us holy. And as it says, as a result, you have obeyed him and have began to cleanse and been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. It's his Holy Spirit that comes in and cleanses us. And it's out of that that we then get to go operate. It's not even something we did. And then finally, the last scripture, and I'll close with this. In John 15, 16, Jesus at the Last Supper, he begins to tell us, and we need to receive this this morning. You didn't choose me. I didn't choose Jesus. He chose me. There is freedom in that. That if you're relying on your own ability, your own wisdom, your own strength, that you're not good enough, I can't do You didn't choose. God chose you. He saw you in the midst of your mess. He saw you when you were wandering far away from Him. He saw you when you were going through all your stuff. And He said, it hadn't changed me one bit. I'm still 100% committed. I'm not in any way looking away. I'm looking forward to the time where we can connect. So that you might go and what? He, not only did He choose you, but He anointed you. It's not by our goodness. It's only by His goodness. It's not by what I've done and you've done. It's by what He's done and what He continues to do. When we go through this season we call Christmas, my challenge to you as we walk this journey is I don't want you to go through another Christmas and you miss Christ in Christmas. I don't want you to get wrapped up in presence without getting wrapped up in His presence. Some of y'all get it later. <laughs> so that you might go and do what? Bear fruit. You mean God wants to use me? From the very least to the least, He used a 14-year-old girl who was just waiting, wondering. She was, she was there. He, he used her to bear fruit, literally the greatest fruit. And it says... Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Could you bow your heads for me just a moment? Thank you, Lord. And the only reason I have you do that is the only way I know you can get alone in a crowded room. It's not really spiritual, I know, and I wish I had something more spiritual about it, but it really is the only way you can get alone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And as you're sitting there, I just want to ask you, What is, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Have you come to the place where you recognize there's no other way? That you can't be holy enough? You can't be righteous enough? It's not based on any good thing you've done. 
that gets you to heaven, that gets you to connect, that breaks the, the bondage of sin and that sets you free to be able to experience the life and the love of Jesus. Have you come to that place yet? Because that's the whole mission. Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's not about possessions. That's about His presence. That's about His, His knowledge, His wisdom, His understanding for our today and our tomorrow and the next day and the day after that until one day we see Him face to face. What's your experience today? Have you surrendered to Him yet? Have you come to the place where you said, Lord, I'm willing, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, Lord, here I am. I'm going to ask you if you'd like to to pray a prayer of commitment. If you've never committed your life to Christ, this would be a great day to do it. Where you say, Lord, I recognize you as not just not just as friend and Savior, but as Lord. Lord, I, I surrender my life to you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand up wherever you are. And I want to pray with you today. Say, Jesus, I'm your, I, I want you to be my Lord. I'm surrendering my life. Lord, here, I'm willing. Take it. Use it however you see fit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just slip it up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you right now. This is very personal. This is you and your decision with the Lord. And those that would like, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Everybody that would like to, I want you to pray with me. You can pray, read, to, to dedicate your life to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that my sins have separated me from you. The things I've done, the things I've said have displeased you. But I also recognize that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. And I accept his death as full payment for my sin. And Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Take my life. And use it how you see fit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's powerful. Thank you, Lord. But here's what I want us to do. How many of you know there's more? That what we've experienced, we've like all of us, we've experienced some wonderful things, but there's always more. And this is where Jesus continually pours out. And I want us, at this time, this morning, I'm going to ask you that, to just be willing during this season that we don't get locked into routines and tradition. Traditions are good. There's some that we celebrate. But we don't get locked into them that, that we miss the, the, the living Savior living His life in and through us and making a difference in other people's lives. And I believe with all my heart as you go about your days and the days and weeks to come as we continue to unpack this thing down to earth you trying to get to God. Many of us, we try so hard, and God's saying, I'm just trying to get to you. If you'll just open up, I'm trying to get to you. If you'll just open up, I've got it all. And I believe that as we walk through this season, that God's going to do more through you through this Christmas season than, than all the previous ones before. You're going, to see mir- you're going to see things happen in people's lives that you've never seen happen. God's going to use you in ways that you never thought possible. And it's going to be because of one reason. You're just saying, yes, Lord, use me how you see fit. Amen. If you would stand up with me at this time. We have those that will be here to pray with you. If you have a need, physical need or something that you have going on, we want to pray and believe God with you. 
And we'll be down here at the front to do that uh, when I dismiss in just a moment. But I want you to open your hands to the Lord. I want you to receive from Him. It's because God wants to bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, you're the creator of the universe and you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. Lord, that your name may be placed on them and in so doing, you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.